Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Thank you very much. Morning. Morning. How are you doing today? Doing well? I got a little little frog going on this morning in my, my throat here, so bear with me this morning. But my name's Wes. Um, one of the pastors here since 2003, uh, when things began uh, a, a while back, almost uh, coming up on 16 years now, um, at the end of 2003. And so I was student ministries pastor for 14 years or so, and about a year ago I took on the men's ministry and then missions and outreach. And uh, love so many things about student ministry, still love um, that, you know, the folks that have been a part of with that, the families, um, and then there's a lot of great things going on already with men here at the church and the missions and outreach, and so I'm just hoping to not screw that up as we go forward um, and expand how the, the Lord would want us to, uh, to lead in that way. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, yesterday we did have a, a good group of guys. Here's a picture from our, our cornhole uh, tournament, good, good group of guys out there playing. Of course, they just announced the winners, so... Um, we're always trying to just get more opportunities for, for guys to engage with each other, and so that's, that's why we did that. But it is a privilege to, to be sharing with you this morning, a privilege to be a part of the community uh, here at North. <clears throat> so a pastor friend of mine told me something interesting the other day, and he said uh, some, something that I, I've been thinking about. Said, I'm not sure I necessarily agree uh, with him um, or if it's true or not, but he, he said this. He said, half of his congregation um, don't really care much about who he is until they know how much Bible knowledge he has. And he said the other half of his congregation doesn't really care about much about his Bible knowledge until they know who he is. And it was an interesting like thought for me that like the, the bigger, the broader thought is, okay, so when we come into church on Sunday as individuals and as a group of people, a community, you know, what, what's our purpose here? What are, we, what are we doing? What are we trying to experience? What lens, what perspective do we have when we come in? And so that got me thinking. And so if you fall in one of those camps, you need to know how much scripture I know, or you need to know more about me, or maybe you don't care about either one of those, I'm going to share a few of those for you. And you can, you can, you know, listen. All right? So I'm married to my best friend. Um, Kristen, who we have four kids. Um, my marriage isn't perfect, and my family isn't perfect, uh, but they bring me as much joy or more joy than anything else in my life. <clears throat> I like to hike and play basketball, uh, even though I don't do it as well as I'd like. Um, I'm allergic to scorpions. I think everyone feels pain when they get stung, but I, I'll, I'll die. I, I almost died. And if I get stung, I have to go right to the hospital. I'm allergic. That's very important information. Um, <clears throat> I bought this watch this week. That's also very important. I like it a lot. It's a Fitbit. Um, several years ago, my, this is one of my wife's favorite stories to tell. Several years ago, I was in a uh, slow-pitch softball tournament, and I struck out, swinging. <laughs> That's not good. That was embarrassing. Um, I started to go bald in college, and I was pretty insecure about it. I did the whole comb forward for a while. Um, a current insecurity of mine is singing in front of people. I don't like to sing in front of people. So there's just a little bit about me, 
okay? So some of the Bible training that, that I've had, one, it started with my, I accepted Jesus as my Savior at camp at the age of six. Um, I'm a third-generation pastor, um, and I accepted the call to ministry at the age of 16. Uh, I've been teaching God's Word for 21 years. Uh, my major in my undergrad was Christian education with a minor in sociology. I received my master's uh, of arts and biblical leadership from Phoenix Seminary. I was ordained by Scottsdale Bible Church in 2010. And I've studied under Larry for 14 years. And he's made me read a lot of books. So maybe those things were important to you. Maybe it, you care you know, about who, uh, who I am, then you'll listen to you know, what, what the Bible says, or you, you care more about you know, what the Scripture, or none of that matters to you. But here's, here's my heart this morning. My heart this morning is that each of us come in here expecting to hear from the creator of the universe today, somehow, some way. Whether you're a believer or not, and you're in this room, my guess is you'd say, yep, I want to hear from the God of the universe today. Like, that, that's something that I want. <clears throat> and that could come in different forms. The Spirit could talk to you randomly about nothing that I'm talking about today. Awesome. Listen to that. Pay attention to it. Um, he, could, he could also use the Scripture. When we, we open up the Bible, He can speak to you uh, through that. You may get an answer through a story that I tell or, or some of the words that I say. You may sense him uh, in that way. Jesus may bring to your mind a, a memory or a person or an issue as, as we're in here this morning or while, while we're worshiping or while we're praying. Pay attention to what the Lord is trying to say to you uh, today. Uh, the God of the universe can use infinite ways to influence us, so let's be open to hearing from him. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you speak to us uh, to us individually as well as a group. I pray that we can hear from you this morning uh, as we open up your word. Uh, we give you this time. In your name, amen. So up until Easter, we're in a series called Good News for Everyone. And two weeks ago, uh, Larry shared with us um, about how to make our faith personal, how to repent uh, and turn to Jesus. And last week, he encouraged us with the idea of listening and, and believing uh, what God says and then asking us the question, who is in the boat with us. I love the title, Good News for Everyone, but I want to take just a quick second to expand uh, the meaning of this word good really fast. Okay? Uh, so in, in the creation story, when, when God created everything, he looked at it, including man and woman, and he said it was good. So this is the good that we're speaking of here. So, but, but, um, so put yourself in the scene. Okay, you're Adam or you're Eve, all right? And this is the scene when God says, this is good. <clears throat> uh, he, this is the first time he says, he says, you're in paradise, okay? Things are perfect. Um, you're in this garden. All of your needs are met. All of your wants are met. Uh, you get to name every creature on the earth, which is a pretty cool deal, right? Uh, you get a best friend to experience this paradise with. Uh, you're given the command to multiply and populate. That's a good one. Uh, there's no shame. There's no sin. There's no health issues. There's no fighting. There's no death. And God is literally walking next to you and talking to you. 
That's the scene that God says, this is good. And so it elevates this word good in my mind because we're actually saying that paradise, heavenly things are for everyone. The things of God, paradise, perfection, heavenly things are for everyone. Not just, well, that was a, that was a good meal that I had. This is, this is the things of God are for everyone. Uh, today's subtitle for Good News for Everyone is Thinking Outside the Box. Thinking Outside the Box. And that's because when I was reading through Mark 2, which is where you can turn if you'd like to, uh, Mark 2, when I was reading through that, it just lent itself to Jesus pushing, pushing outside of, of these cultural norms, these religious norms. And so basically, Jesus lived in a way that forced the people around him and everyone, for that matter, including us, to think like he thinks. And that requires us to think differently. <clears throat> so here's, here's how the message is going to go today. I'm going to go through three different passages, talk about that a little bit. And then at the end, I'm going to pull out some questions from those passages and, and leave, us, leave us with those questions today. So if you have a Bible, Bible app, or you can look at the verses on the screen uh, today. So here, here's the context of what's going on with Jesus. Jesus... Um, like takes a, a demon out of someone. So he, he releases this guy of a demon in, in, in Capernaum, and then he leaves Capernaum. So he, he's gone, he's away, the crowds are following him, he's, he's with his disciples, you know, there's, there's this hubbub of what's going on, this guy casts out demons, this is crazy, and then he returns back to Capernaum, okay? So that's where we are, we pick up in verses 1 through 5. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he, this is Jesus, was at home. So Jesus is in his house, okay? Many were gathered there together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing a, to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. <clears throat> and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now that is a crazy scene, right? I mean, th this is like something that actually happened. I'm not sure, sure how that all came to be, but Jesus' his house is packed with people out the door. He's teaching. The people that were there were the crowds. You got the disciples, and you have these scribes or Pharisees, uh, these religious leaders who didn't trust Jesus. I'm assuming his family was there too, but it doesn't say that. Then you have this paralyzed man who's carried by his buddies. They remove Jesus' roof and lower him down. I'm not sure how that works exactly. Um, it doesn't seem like it's a very common thing to remove roofs because we don't see that anywhere else in Scripture, and no one else had done that. There were crowds it was packed. No one else took off the roof. These guys took off the roof. But apparently, Jesus was okay with it. Then, Jesus forgives his sin. It's kind of like, what? Uh, Jesus, the obvious thing is you need to heal his body. That's why they brought him. But he forgives his sin. And then the religious leaders are thinking to themselves, uh, <clears throat> Only God can forgive sins. What's this guy doing? 
And another miracle, Jesus perceived what they are thinking in their head and in their heart. He knows what they're thinking, and he calls them out. And he says, I hear your hearts, and I hear your minds. And he goes on to say, what's easier, to forgive sins or to heal? To which I'm sure the answer is, uh, they're both impossible, you know? And it goes on to say that, that to prove his authority, he healed the paralytic. He tells him to pick up his bed and go home. Wow. Talk about it like a mind-blowing experience. Pushing people that were watching this to redefine how they thought of what is possible, what is real. The people that saw this and, or heard about this, and even us right now, have to acknowledge that Jesus' ways are bigger than ours. Everything about everything was changing. Literally everything about everything was changing in these moments. And our lives are changed today because of the person of Jesus. He lives in such a way that when we interact with him, when we experience him, change always happens. I kind of look at it this way. <clears throat> it's like at the end of a movie that has this surprise twist ending, okay? I don't know if you've seen the older movie called The Usual Suspects, all right? Fantastic movie up to the end, and then it's like <clears throat> your mind blows up with, like, the truth of what's actually going on. And then you go back and you re-watch the movie, and it's like watching something completely different because you know the ending, and you see everything that's happening along the way. And I think that's how, that's why Jesus is who he is, because he knows the ending. He knows everything, for that matter. And he lives in such a way that he has all of that in perspective when he lives, and, and we don't. Um, so when we, when we follow Jesus, when we have glimpses of Jesus, when we have experiences with Jesus, we start to, to see things as he sees them. So another passage, move, moving on to the next passage here, verses 15 through 17. And here's what's going on. Jesus leaves his house, so he leaves the house. Apparently the roof is still off. He leaves his house and he's walking beside the sea, okay, with his disciples. Some crowds are following, the Pharisees are following. And he sees Levi. Levi's over here, and he, he's a tax collector. Actually, we know of, of Levi later by the name of Matthew, and he's a tax collector. Uh, and people didn't like tax collectors. They stole money. They cheated people, all these different things. So they were kind of outcast, but uh, in a lucrative position. He sees Levi, and he says, Levi, be one of my followers. Follow me. And he literally, Levi, leaves his lucrative job, leaves his tax booth, and goes and follows Jesus. And we pick up here in verse 15. And as he, Jesus, reclined at the table... In his, Levi's, house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was changing everything 
about everything. He breaks so many cultural norms. He breaks so many religious norms. He is friends with sinners and tax collectors. And because he has the end in mind, he lives and loves in such a way that pushes his disciples to think differently, pushes the crowds to think differently. He pushes the Pharisees to look at things differently. So when I was in elementary school, I, my family was in a pretty um, conservative, uh, fairly legalistic church, if you will. Um, I wasn't allowed to dance. And people had scriptural you know, principles and they'd use verses and things of this nature to, to justify these rules. We weren't allowed to dance because dancing obviously led to fornication. Fornication's bad, so you can't dance. <clears throat> so I wasn't allowed to go to dances when I was growing up. And we also couldn't go to movie theaters uh, because if, even if you're watching a Disney movie, the movie theater still supports movies that has rated R movies. And so if you go and you support this movie, then you're supporting the movie theater who supports rated R movies. And obviously rated R movies are from Satan. So you can't watch any of them. So you, can't go, you just can't go to the movie theaters. So my, my parents would, they had these restrictions. And, and it really was because of the, the Christian culture that they lived in. There were, these, there were these principles and ideas that people took and they used and they made these, these rules. Over time, I'm glad that my family started thinking outside of that current box that they were living in. They started re-looking at scripture, re-looking at truth to find out how Jesus lived and thought. Now, Jesus didn't mention movie theaters or dancing necessarily. But when my parents started re-examining their beliefs about their current Christian culture, what was telling them to believe, they came to a different biblical perspective. They started looking at Scripture through the lens of love and grace and truth and not the lens of rules and appearance, legalism, and how it looked to other people. I believe Jesus lived in such a way that he, uh, that he would not look at a lens through rules, regulations, our appearance, but through perspective of grace and truth. So continuing on to the third passage we're going to look at today, verses 25 to 28, and here's what's going on here. Jesus and his disciples are walking through grain fields, okay? <clears throat> and it's on, it's on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was, is known by the, the religious law that there's a lot of restrictions on that day because they want you to focus on God and, and rest, Okay? So they're walking through, and the disciples are actually plucking off the heads of these grains. It was probably barley at the time, and they're eating them. And this upset the Pharisees because they interpreted their actions was against one of the Sabbath laws, and this, was, this is Jesus' response to them, verse 25. Uh, and he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? <clears throat> he and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, I had to look that one up, <clears throat> Abiathar, the priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. Basically, David was with, were with these people, and there was this like holy bread that was in this ceremonial spot in like a tabernacle or a church, and it sat there as an observation. You just looked at it, and the priest ate it later. Well, David walks in with his homies, and they're like, 
bread, dude, we're hungry, eat. and they ate, and it was okay. So Jesus uses this story, and it's a little ironic because the people he's talking to would have known this story. They just missed the point of the story. So again, we see Jesus doing things that are outside the box of religious leaders, that how they want him to live. <clears throat> Basically, the law that these, you know, the, the Pharisees were, you know, saying you couldn't do is that you couldn't reap harvest on the Sabbath. And they interpreted plucking those grains off and eating them as reaping a harvest. The Pharisees were looking at life through a different lens than Jesus was. And Jesus, at that time, fights for the hearts of his disciples. He fights for, for our hearts because it's, it's about our heart and not about the rules or performance or image or the do's and don'ts. It's about our heart. Jesus does the opposite of what the religious culture did. He focused on the heart. He saw people as individuals and not a race or ethnicity or position or sex or cultural status. He saw things differently. I have a video that I'm going to show you. Um, it's, it's actually part of a series that we're starting today that we're going to show uh, over the next several weeks, and it'll be every, every few weeks or so. Um, and it, it's called My Experience with Jesus. And uh, check it out. Uh, that vi uh, video will be available online if you're interested in seeing it again or sharing it with, with somebody. Uh, thanks to Michael for sharing with us and um, Aaron for putting that together. Um, and the shameless plug for Man Weekend, guys. <laughs> uh, Michael sees life through a different lens now. Uh, he's thinking outside of his own self-reliance, outside of his own pain, outside of his own apathy towards God, and that, that led him back to Jesus. And since then, uh, he continues to grow in his faith and think more like Jesus. He's, he's changed. He's a different person. The more we interact with Jesus, the more we change. So based on these three passages, I'm going to pull out some questions for us uh, this morning. Uh, from the passage on the, the paralytic who was brought to Jesus' feet, through the roof, the healing, the forgiving of sins, uh, I want to I ask you, I want to ask myself this. Are you bringing people to the feet of Jesus? Are you, are you presenting Jesus to your family, your friends, your co-workers? If you're a follower of Jesus you, and you have faith like these guys did, then you're, you're going to bring people to Jesus. We, you know, we, could, we could pray with and for others. We could encourage someone to come to church. We could love someone who has, has hurt us. We could tell someone why we follow Jesus. There's, we could visit somebody in the hospital. We could study scripture with someone. There are many ways to do this. Pick one. Um, but you know, are we bringing people to the feet of Jesus? And the second question is from the same passage. Are you allowing people to bring you to the feet of Jesus. We could let people close enough uh, to us pray for us, like about the real things that are going on in our life. We could let someone share their experiences and wisdom with us. We could allow someone to bless us even though it feels humiliating. We could let someone teach us their perspective on a Bible study. We could share our vulnerabilities and allow someone to hold us accountable. Are we allowing people 
to bring us to the feet of Jesus. And from the passage of, of Levi, he's at the house, Jesus is at the house reclining with tax collectors and sinners. And I just have to pause here for a second. When, every time I hear the word reclining or recliner, I'm reminded of our house. Because my wife, like she eats, she watches TV, she reads, she studies, she listens to music, all in her bed. Like she just, she's in her bed all the time. And I'm a normal person, and I sit in the recliner in the living room, okay? So you, you see what happens here is we're in two different spaces in the house, and, you know, that's not good. We should be together more often and all that stuff. So we have a solution. We got a recliner, and we put it next to the bed <laughs> in the bedroom. So we're together. Well, then my wife fell in love with the recliner in the room, so now I'm in the stupid bed. Anyway, it's a whole thing. When I hear the word recliner, okay. <clears throat> so Jesus, uh, he's, he's reclining at Levi's house. He's with tax collectors, with sinners. And to me, this one, this one was the easiest one that, that jumped out. Um, but are you reclining with sinners? Reclining assumes comfort. Reclining assumes... Um, that it's at a home. Reclining is a safe space. When was the last time you invited a coworker or a friend or a neighbor or a teammate to your house that thinks very differently than you, that is an unbeliever or you know, antagonistic to the church or your faith? Are they in your home? Are you in their homes? Are you spending time hiking with them? Are you? Are, are you spending time with sinners and tax collectors? And we're all sinners, but I mean people who are just pushing God away. I think it's easy for us, I'll speak for myself, but it's easy for me to spend time with people that are like-minded, that are other believers. But that's not what Jesus did all the time, and that's not what he wants for us. Are you reclining with sinners? The question of the, uh, the, from the passage where Jesus is with the disciples and they're plucking and they're eating the grains and the Pharisees are kind of you know, questioning that is, is this. Are you open to letting Jesus change the way you think? Are you open to a different perspective on how you think? The disciples were willing to let Jesus change them and their ways. The Pharisees had a harder time with that. Well, what about you? What about me? Are we willing to have some idea that we have uh, be busted up because of who Jesus is and was? Is there something that we've believed or a teaching that we've heard that we're holding on to too tightly? And if we experience Jesus, maybe that will change. Are you having conversations with people that think differently than you? Now, you're not going to take on every person's perspective on something, you want to take it to the Lord, see what he thinks about it. But having the conversation opens you up to other ideas, a better idea maybe about how Jesus lives and thinks. One of the ways to do that could you just be starting your day off with a simple prayer. Jesus, I want your mind today. Show me how to live like you and not my own understanding. <clears throat> I firmly believe that all of us, whether you're a longtime believer or a newer believer, or you, you have not accepted Jesus. 
um, I, I believe all of us, when we interact with Jesus, no matter who we are, we change. We start thinking outside of the box of our own understanding, our own experiences, our own family, our own knowledge, and we start becoming more like Christ. So let's think more like Jesus, and let's see what happens. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you blow our minds with, with your love and how you treated people, how you lived, how you taught, how you looked at Scripture. I pray that when we um, choose to interact with you, you will, you will just change us. You will make it evident how we should, should follow you. Um, as we continue in worship this morning, continue to remind us of the things that you want for us this morning. In your name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. We have our prayer partners over here to pray with you and for you. Uh, if you'd like prayer this morning, also record your requests and your praises, and we'll be starting to pray for you uh, tomorrow morning. Um, so I had a friend in, in high school. His name was, was Nathan Quay, and I looked up to Nathan. He was a couple years older than I was, and he was everything that I thought was cool. He had cool hair. He skated. He was good at sports. Everybody loved him, uh, had a great personality, um, and I spent a lot of time with Nathan, <clears throat> and he enjoyed life. He was an unbeliever didn't know Jesus, and went off to college and did all the fun things that college affords you, and, and after a couple years, he came back one summer, and he had found Jesus, and it was ridiculous hearing him talk. I remember sitting in a, um, it was a summer day, the sun's coming down, we're sitting in the grass, we had just mowed somebody's grass, and we're sitting there in the grass talking, and he saw the sunset differently. He smelled the grass differently. He hugged me differently. He spoke of people differently. He was a new person. Everything was changed because of the Jesus in his life. And that's, that's what we get. When we think outside of our own understanding and, and have the mind of Christ, everything changes this is a picture of Nathan. Actually, we played a basketball tournament. He's in the far left. He was apparently a sweater. <clears throat> and I'm the guy to the right of him trying to look really cool and not doing a very good job. But that's Nathan. We're still friends uh, to this day. But let, let the truth of Jesus impact you, and you'll forever be changed. Thank you. Love you. We'll see you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.